Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all you lovely lot. Welcome back to another episode. So today... I am talking to ex-investment manager Ollie Horton, who has done what many of us have dreamed about. He left this wet and cold, dreary country to go surfing in Lanzarote. Little did he know that he was going to fall in love with the wines there, start a wine tour business, and now is bringing those delicious wines to the UK. So without further ado, I'm going to go over to the chat now where you're going to learn about the indigenous great varieties of this island, the incredible black volcanic soils and how they affect the grapes, and on a daily basis, how hard it is to tend to these vines and produce these very delicious wines. Ollie, thank you so much for joining me today and hopefully painting a beautiful picture of Lanzarote so we can all just imagine we're there is that okay <laughs> absolutely yeah thanks for inviting me and I hope I can uh, you know bring a bit of sunshine to you uh, oh, across please, in the UK there please we need it we need it so for those that don't know anything about Lanzarote wine I want you just for a second to tell me we'll go into your full story but what is it about the wines of Lanzarote or Lanzarote the island that has caught you and brought you over there and got you working in wine? What is that story? Wow, that's such a such yeah. a big question. <laughs> where <laughs> do you start? Where to start? Where to start? Where to okay. start? Okay, you know what? We're going to wind it all the way back to the beginning. So you woke up one day in the UK. You're from is it Guernsey or Jersey? Yeah, Guernsey. I'm from, from Guernsey. Yeah. Yep. You woke up one day um, in Guernsey and you went, ugh, it sucks here. I'm going to go and live on an island that's more fun, that's more Mediterranean, that's got more sunshine, right? <laughs> pretty like much, that? exactly. Somewhere warmer and drier. <laughs> and uh -huh. for, so it meant moving further further south. But uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the island I'd been visit visiting all of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. My mum and dad bought a, a little place down here when I was uh, three years old. So it was like mm -hmm. a home away from home and mm -hmm. always used to hate leaving here. Um, completely yeah. captured by the island. I mean, obviously the climate speaks for itself here. But being a very outdoorsy person and loving water sports, you know, we've got some of the best surf spots in Europe here. Um, each year just got, became harder and harder to leave. And, uh, you know, after the family holidays, it was then surf trips with friends and, um, all the, all the time being, you know, back on Guernsey, which is even smaller than Lanzarote. Um, and in that routine, it just felt like the right time to, to break free and, uh, come here on a one way ticket. And oh, I love see that. what happens. Take the risk. And quite clearly, something did happen. But did you go to Lanzarote for surfing or did you go there for the wine? Um, originally for the surfing, it has mm -hmm. to be said. I mean, my first <laughs> job when I arrived here, I just wanted to do something completely different. Yeah. And um, I worked as a surf instructor for, for, for six months. Mm. And um, the wine idea, in a way, had been in the back of my mind for core, I would say about seven or eight years before that okay. i moved here in 2013 mm -hmm. um and it was on one of the surf trips here with a friend that uh you know i tasted my first lanzarote wine and it wasn't actually on the island it was actually on a on a 
little trip to Fuerteventura. Oh, how funny. And, yeah. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you had bizarre. to swap islands to taste yeah. the wine of the island you were living on. Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, And uh, the waiter uh, talked to us about Lanzarote wine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just had this sort of vision of it being sort of quite an oldie-worldy wine and, mm-hmm. you know, not particularly my cup of tea, basically. Uh, I certainly wasn't a, um, a wine fan or somebody that knew a huge amount of wine back then. Mm-hmm. And um, in the end, um, we, were, we were up for it. And, um, you know, a bottle of the Lanzarote wine came out and I was absolutely blown away. Um, it was a moment I'll, I'll never forget, um, both the, the, the bottle, which was, uh, you know, super unique and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, captured my imagination. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the, the wine itself. And uh, we returned to Lanzarote a couple of days later. And I guess I wanted to know more about it. And uh, it was hard at the time uh, to to find out the information that we wanted to, to find out. So um, we couldn't actually do it. But it was a light bulb moment. And uh, it went from there. Well, of course, the terroir of Lanzarote is so unique. For anybody who has not Googled this, and I'll say it now, for me, it's it, the soils, the blackness of them, they're the darkest possible colour. they these like bowl-shaped depressions, like kind of like a moon-like craters if you see it from, you know, an aerial view, aren't they? And then from this dark blackness is these green vines that just radiate you know and the landscape of is just a, that of contrast and it's really dramatic right it, it is indeed I mean, I mean the the vineyards sort of look more like uh, another planet than a, a typical sort of vineyard uh, I mean it really is very very different and as you say the contrasts are incredible I mean the landscape and Lanzarote is very unique and diverse mm. but uh, you know you get the black of the volcanic ash you get the green of the vines the blue skies uh, and then the white buildings here as well. And uh, it's, it's just a stunning landscape. Um, the vines here, they're all growing in soil, but the soil is lying beneath all of the volcanic ash that sort of fell on the, uh, in the La Heria wine region here between 1730 and 1736. So those eruptions were, were less than 300 years ago. Mm. So let's talk more about the soil, because I think that's probably the most unique thing on the island and how it impacts the wines the most, right? Yeah, I mean, the wine region here back in the day would have been the breadbasket of the island. The cereal crops were, were growing here mm-hmm. and fruit trees and, and the like. And then, you know, the, when the eruptions happened, uh, that land got decimated with lava flows mm-hmm. and also volcanic ash just sort of falling on the, on the soil like snow. Mm. Um, so there is fertile soil below that. There's not a huge amount of it. Um, so when you see the um, deep depressions in the vineyards, it's where the farmers had to dig away through all of that uh, volcanic ash, which we call roffy, and plant the vine into the soil. That's amazing. And these are really low yielding vines because of this, aren't they? They are. Uh, I mean, we've got two main styles in Lanzarote. I mean, we've got a northerly trade wind here. So the further north through the wine region you head and further away from the uh, where the volcanic eruptions were, you have a thinner layer of mm-hmm. ash. Mm-hmm. So we've got the vines planted in rows there, but you will find at a maximum about 900 vines per hectare. Mm. And uh, as you'll know- Very in, low. In, very low. I mean, what are you looking at normally? Four to 7,000 roughly? 5,000 is considered medium, like 
2,500 is low. So the fact that you're saying 900. <laughs> Nine, and that's in the most densely planted vineyard. You know, if you head further south and you're, um, you know, uh, close to the uh, what, what's now the National Park, mm-hmm. um, you've got about two to 300 vines per hectare there. And yeah. the reason why is that they've had to dig these big holes to reach the soil. So some of these holes may be three or four meters wide and two to three meters deep. And there'll be one typical one typical vine at the bottom. Sometimes, um, you know, there might be two or three, mm-hmm. but typically just the one. So, you know, the yield is, is seriously low. And I think you were saying about them having to, they're trying to dig away the sand and then, of course, the sides can collapse in. And can you explain to me a little bit more about the difficulties of tending yeah. to these vines? I'll, I'll, I'll try. I mean, I, I guess the best way to imagine it is when you were a kid digging a hole on the beach mm-hmm. uh, in, in the sand, in mm-hmm. the dry sand. And, you know, you put the spade in, dug it out, and then the sides would instantly collapse in. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like that. And, um, you know, during the course of the, the year, um, the, when the vine grows, I mean, we get strong trade winds here through the summer months. Um, the vines, are, they're, they're sort of bush vines, they're, they're crawling. Um, they eat their way into the sides. Um, you've then got the farmer going in to, um, you know, maintain the vine up to 20 times a year. And, and, and also the wind. So the, the sides do collapse in. And every year, at least once, the farmer has to go in and dig all of the sides out all by all by hand and uh, you know in these vineyards in this particular area you know there's no way you're getting any machinery into the vineyard it's all mm. done by um, all done by man yeah and um, it's uh, we've got many old vines on the island you know we weren't uh, attacked by phylloxera so mm-hmm. uh, you know many vines over 100 years old and uh, you know long before you know caterpillar diggers and jcb so th- <laughs> this whole landscape has been dug and designed by by man we've already got hardly any vines planted per hectare they're super low yielding in general because of the soil the wind of course is pretty strong that's why they have these dry stone walls haven't they typically around them to kind of offer a little bit more protection right exactly yeah and then you have these old vines because some probably pre-phylloxera or they haven't been affected by phylloxera so of course they produce even less yields as well so on that note every year is so different here um i mean our quality uh, is generally very good or excellent i mean mm-hmm. we get plenty of sunshine here so ripeness <laughs> isn't an issue so. stop showing off enough <laughs> <Thankfully. laughs> enough <laughs> well <laughs> we did actually have some rain this morning so <laughs> oh, okay good to know good to know it exists but the sun yeah. the sun's back now uh, am i right it rains like the same amount as the sahara desert right it's like 150 millimeters a year on average that's right yeah yeah so i think that classifies as like a, as a subtropical mm-hmm. um desert mm-hmm. type landscape oh, okay. um but i mean the yields every year change uh, i mean the year just gone we had 1.3 million kilos okay. the year before that we had two and a half and the year before that was a record year ever on the island at four million okay so that would have been um, 2000 at uh, 2018 t- uh, yes. Same as in England, a record year for for yields. Actually. Okay, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, and you're then... too busy in Yalanzarote and just <laughs> surfing and drinking beautiful wine. But yeah, we had we had a bumpy year as well because the the sum was so amazing. That's right. Yeah, no, I remember. So why yeah. so why is it so different year on year the amount that Lanzarote can make? Well, well, it ties into the to the winter weather. Okay. Um, 
I mean, we actually had a worse. So 2016 was less than 700,000. So we've oh. gone from 700,000 up to 4 million wow. okay. in, in the space of two years mm-hmm. and back down again. And it just depends on the, when, on the winter weather typically. So um, this year, luckily, we've had plenty of rain by Lanzarote standards. And I've never seen the island so green. It's <laughs> been really, really needed. Okay. Um, but the last um, two years um before this um were incredibly dry and, yeah. and warm and um it just means that the, the vines don't produce in their in their usual quantities so okay. it is expected on the island we're very thankful this year's been a wet one is there any irrigation at all that happens through the seasons or is everything dry farmed everything's dry farmed uh, yeah. watering the vines isn't permitted by the <laughs> denomination de origin mm-hmm. so it is i mean it's a miracle that winemaking happens here at all because we're outside the geographic norm for for winemaking and um it only happens because of the volcanic ash Love so that. uh that volcanic ash it sort of traps in any moisture um, like the rain typically mm-hmm. but then also because we're an island in the Atlantic we get um, you know dews and mists at times certainly up in the wine region and all of that gets absorbed and locked into the soil by the by the Rofe. Amazing right do you know what I've realized we've been talking for a while and neither one of us has taken a sip and I think um, if anybody knew how hard it was for us to connect um, for anyone <laughs> almost an hour um, I think we need this so I'm raising my glass uh, to you and thank you so much for connecting and making this possible. A pleasure I'm glad we could get some uh, Lanzotti wine to Oh, you. absolutely so we are both drinking the same aren't we we are drinking Malvasia. We're drinking a very special Malvasia, aren't we? Malvasia Volcanica, which is native to Lanzarote, right? That's correct. Yeah, we mm. do need it. Mm. It's so aromatic. It's so pretty. It's so floral and rich and peachy. It's absolutely delicious. It definitely reminds me of sunshine. That's for sure. Both of the wines that we're going to drink today are from the same producer, aren't they? This is from Bodega Bermejo. The oldest winery on the island? It's, no, it's not. El oh, no. Grifo is the oldest okay. winery, which is just next door pretty much to Bodega Bermejo. Okay. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about the almost oldest <laughs> winery, Bodega Bermejo? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, it, for me, it's a, uh, it's a great example of what's happened on the island when it comes to the wine industry over the last 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. It's has produced wine on the site for well over 100 years ago, but the current two owners bought it in 2001 and invested a a lot of money into the site back then, but also, um, you know, have increased uh, year on year as well. And uh, they've taken their annual production from 60,000 kilos in the first year up to uh, pushing 800,000 in a good year nowadays. Okay. Okay, more for us. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, and it's a, it's a good thing because it really is delicious wine. Um, it's uh, they they pride themselves on only using native varieties. Uh, mm-hmm. They have, uh, I believe, twelve different wines. Um, they're pushing the the limits of of Lanzarote wine, producing everything from sparkling wines made in the in the traditional method, mm-hmm. all the way through to dessert wines too. Okay. And organic wines as well. So really at the forefront, um, along with a, a handful of other wineries on the island, you know, pushing the pushing the wine industry forward. Um, typically, it was El Grifo on the island. El Grifo is the 
oldest winery in the Canary Islands, actually, dates back to 1775. Oh, wow. Okay. Which also makes it one of the top 10 oldest wineries in the whole of Spain. Go El Grifo. Yeah. Vamos. So they're they're a a, a wine mark everybody would know um, Mm -hmm. that visits Lanzarote. Uh, They're the biggest producer as well. They're producing... Uh, just over a million kilos a year um, in, in in a good year. Okay, yeah. And, you know, typically they would have been the ones introducing um, the modern day equipment from the other European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, over the last 20 years, there's a whole handful of wineries um, that are all, you know, doing slightly different things and, and pushing technology and the industry forward, which mm. is great. Well... I've already tasted both of these, but now I get to taste again. We were drinking this on Friday, weren't we? We were indeed, yeah. I definitely need to drink more Lanzarote wine so I can make my final opinion. I think that's very important, I should say. It's a good way. Exactly. Um, but the volcanic soils give minerality and these this lovely acidity and freshness. I mean, that's certainly what I sense from both of these wines and simply this lovely aromatic white. Absolutely. What makes the Malvasia Volcanica different from other Malvasias that people can get on other islands? Yeah, well, I mean, quite quite simply, Malvasia Volcanica is a variety that you'll only find in Lanzarote. It's a variety mm. in its own right. Um, and for me, um, it, what encapsulates it is like the crisp freshness that we get balanced with the, the, the minerality from the wine. Mm-hmm. And also I, I get a lovely saltiness from, yeah. from mm-hmm. many of mm-hmm. the, um, the, the Mavisir Volcanicas on, on Lanzarote. For sure. And definitely on this one. I think I, what I love about this specific wine, it's 2019. Yeah. If anybody uh, cares about the vintage, it's it's got all these kind of lovely aromatics that we said and like a mandarin, even ginger spice and a little bit of wet stone, which I just really, really like. But it's it's quite full bodied and luscious and weighty. So it's got all that freshness and great acidity, but there's some real richness of, and mouthfeel when you're drinking it. So I just it's, it's divine. I get a lot of mango on the palate, that lovely freshly squeezed lemon juice with some orange yeah, peel. 100 oh. percent. There's plenty going on. It just lingers on the palate as well, which is just brilliant. Absolutely, It's just got a gorgeous perfume. So I think they've done a really, really good job. I don't have any basis to compare it to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yet. Yet. Um, But this is going down a treat, making me feel much calmer and much happier right now. Um, By the way, we should point out, we are jumping ahead a little bit, but you do have a wine shop that is available for people in the UK and in Ireland so they can purchase both these wines we're tasting and many others. So how much is this white wine if somebody wants to get into the know about delicious Malvasia Volcanica? Yeah, um, we do indeed. Um, We have this wine priced at £18.99 on Mm -hmm. our website. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a base in in, in Northern Ireland and... uh, everything is distributed from from there with taxes paid and things. So this was a little project that stemmed on the back of our wine tours business um, during the COVID lockdown. So can we go to the wine tours business now then for a second? Because that's what you were doing before, pre-lockdowns. What would we get if we had jumped on a plane, travelled to Lanzarote and come to meet you? What would we get if we came on one of your wine tours? Okay, well, one of our typical wine tours, um, we we run two. We do do one with tapas and one without tapas. Oh, I'm going to imagine the one with tapas. (laughs) Tapas for me, thank you. 
<laughs> that tends to be the popular option and for good yeah. reason <laughs> yeah 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 i understand why <laughs> well we launched in 2017 and mm-hmm. um we just specialize with with, with small groups um of, of no more than eight and mm-hmm. uh we pick people up from uh, their accommodation and then we take them up to the laheria wine region and we visit three different wineries on the island we always go to one of the bigger commercial wineries um although uh we try and stay off the the, the tourist route. Um, so somewhere like Bermejo we visit, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. And then we go to one or two um, little artisan stops as well, um, which give a real insight into, um, you know, Lanzarote tradition and culture when it comes to wine, um, which is, you know, where it's all come from, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a little walk at each of the uh, vineyards, just a little stroll, um, have a look at what's going on, explain um, about the Lanzarote wine miracle. Um, And then we taste two wines at each of the stops. We explain a little bit about how to taste wine, how the wines are made, and um, try some Lanzarote goat's cheese. Oh, yum. With the tapas tour, um, we do all of that and then finish with some traditional Lanzarote tapas at one of the countryside uh, restaurants. Sign me up. I'm coming. (laughs) You're invited. Thank you. When do you think, is this a really ambiguous question, when do you think that you'll be able to start doing the tours again? Well, it's a good question, because we're actually running the tours at the moment, but just for private groups. So we're doing, um, you know, for a couple, for instance, or a group of three or four, um, and we're just doing those on an ad hoc basis. It has to be said there's not not too many of those Um, but um, we are quite nimble so as soon as the numbers pick up then we will uh, try and run them um, as soon as possible really fab but in the meantime we can buy the wines can't we if you're in the UK for those listening we can buy the wines from the wine shop what is the website that people need to go to yeah it's wineshoplanzarotti.com very complicated (laughs) yeah does what it says on the tin (laughs) absolutely and then we can drink we can have a little sip and we can just close our eyes and just imagine we're in another planet filled with lava fields and uh, and feel like we're there hopefully with a bit of sunshine this summer exactly And, and you'd be amazed at how many people have been buying the wines just for that um, very reason uh, I mean it's it's always been something I had wanted to do because uh, you see the people on our tours um, enjoy the wine so much from from the island and we see what they buy and what they enjoy and the feedback mm-hmm. and we, we put that feedback together with um, you know our skills and knowledge of the local wines and that's how we basically decided on what to send back to um, to, the, to the UK and yeah we've been able to uh, tag on a virtual tour as well um, onto the website offering as well. So if people want a, a tour from the comfort of their own home, we can we, we can take them there. And uh, many people have been buying because they haven't been able to visit the island this year as well. So uh, yeah, a bit of sunshine in a bottle, I guess. Oh, I love that. There you go, everyone. Virtual tours whilst we can't get out there. So I'm almost, oh gosh, I'm almost, I'm almost finished of this glass, but this delicious white is one of five indigenous varieties growing on the island. It so is. majority white, isn't it? That's right. We have the red, so we'll leave that one when we taste it. What are the other whites that grow on the island? Okay. Well, just going back to the Mavisir Volcanica, I mean, that's our sort of star variety, if, if you like. That accounts for 70% of production oh, on, wow. okay. on the island. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's the biggest by far. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have another great variety, which is called um, Diego. Oh, um, oh, I love it. Diego sounds very cool. Very yeah. laid back. 
and it's a it's 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 growing in popularity again. There's not a lot of it on the island, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's really sought after now. And okay. there's sort of new wineries that are opening up and doing different things, which is which is great. Um, so it's yeah, one of those I guess lesser known varieties, but it's okay. becoming increasingly popular and for good reason. I'd love dinner uh, with Diego. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not that popular yet, it's not that much planted. Have you tasted enough of it to get an idea of what Diego actually tastes like? What yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it, it's delicious. I mean, it, it's not quite as um, fruity as the Malvasia Volcanica. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more acidity mm-hmm. um, in in there too, um, but certainly a very fresh and um you know delicious wine okay so maybe a little bit leaner a little bit more restraint whereas because i felt like the malvasia volcanica was really quite not in your face but just really perfumed and really aromatic and really inviting so perhaps diego maybe is a little bit more a little bit more toned down absolutely Mm -hmm. not not hasn't got that same aroma Mm -hmm. okay and not quite not quite not quite as fruity either okay Okay, good to okay. know. There we go. Next so there's one. Diego. And then we've got um, Moscatel, which oh, okay. is... Okay, Moscatel, yeah. Mm-hmm. ...Dalhandra, which is typical for the, you know, sweet wines of the island. Of course. Mm-hmm. And then we've got another called Listan Blanco, which uh-huh. um, yes. is sort of related to the Palomino grape. Um, mm-hmm. That was once planted across the island, but um, not so much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. often find it blended with the Malvasia and nowadays not so often on its own. Okay. Have you tasted it on its own? I have, yeah. It tends to be... It's, on, on its own, it isn't my cup of tea, shall we say. Um, <laughs> it tends to be... The ones I have tasted are more sort of artisan. Okay. Um, a bit of a oldie-worldie mm-hmm. type sort of flavour. Um, a little more rustic. A little more rustic, a little heavier mm-hmm. and intense. Um, but... Yeah, there's so few commercial wineries on the island doing... I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here whether anybody's actually doing a 100% Listan. I, I don't believe there is. Certainly not one I can think of. So it's more of a blending partner. It's really. more of a blending partner, exactly. And when it's blended, mm-hmm. it's absolutely delicious because some of those intense flavours get brought out in the wine. And mm-hmm. Maybe it has a touch more body and intensity. It's, uh, it's worth trying for sure. Fab. Well, I ran out of my white. Um, well, I, I haven't. There's still more in the bottle, but... <laughs> I've already pre-poured out the red, so I feel like we should then finish off with the last indigenous grape variety on the... Oh, I love that. Was that the that the lid coming off of something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I'm preparing myself here. Good. Be prepared. I'm already prepared. Um, I will announce to the world that this is Lista Negro. So can you tell us a little about Lista Negro? I can. It's our only native um, red variety and mm. um, as I assure you're picking up already it's very unique um, very expressive and and different and yeah. the red wines from Lanzarote traditionally haven't been sort of highly thought after mm-hmm. um, but in the past again 20 years there's been a lot more sort of technology and thought and skill set gone into producing these wines and the wines now are absolutely delicious and um, you know for me um, it's not I know some people think the rosé is maybe more expressive of the island others the white but the reds are just so expressive of Lanzarote you can almost drink them and and, and imagine um, you know the volcanoes uh, are just next door. Do you know what? You're completely right. So just to let everyone know, same producer here, um, but this is the 2018 Lista Negro. It's got the really lovely fruitiness and freshness, kind of in keeping with the white, but 
it's got this real ash-like note to it. It's a lovely kind of red cherries and black plums, but that that kind of hint of smoke or kind of crushed leaves. And because of that like ash-like setting, this whole, you know, imagining you're right by a volcano. I, I fully, fully understand. I went to Mount Etna okay. when I was in Sicily several years ago. And I was climbing up Mount Etna. And as we got close to the top, the you know, there's loads of wind. And of course, the wind is blowing ash and, and soil and whatever into your mouth. You just get that little bit on your lips. You know, if you lick it, it's that amazing moment when you can actually taste literally the soil. And this has that ash-like quality that I tasted when I was climbing Mount Etna. And it has it in this wine, which is, of course, no surprise, right? All to do with the volcanic soils, I, I I guess, and you know, absolutely, wine's been produced from vineyards at the foothills of the volcanoes, and um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people associate, I think, with that sort of smokiness or maybe woodiness with oak aging. But uh, the wines, the red wines from the island that haven't even been aged in oak, um, possess those characteristics. Um, so it really is what the soil and the grape is is given to the wine. I mean, the, the reds from the island tend to be sort of lower tannin, lighter body than, um, you know, many reds that are people typically buy in, in Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. I was going to say this specific wine, it's not quite medium body, medium minus, beautiful high acidity. Yeah. And then the tannins, they're dusty. They're soft, they're medium minus, again, tannins, but they're dusty, but in, in a really nice way. And again, it's that for me, I describe it as this kind of minerality that I'm tasting. So again, I'm imagining climbing up a volcanic mountain kind of thing. This is what I get when I taste it. But yeah, it's it's lovely. There's still gorgeous freshness, even though the complexity of that smokiness, which as you said, gives you that appearance that there is some oak. So does it, does it see a little bit of oak though? Uh, this one's been aged for four months in, in oak. Um, mm, okay, yeah. So because it's those sorts of characteristics that you were just mentioning before, you know, if you were to age this for six months or 12 months in oak, those characteristics would just overpower the wine. Mm -hmm. So they tend to be between, you know, three and four months aged and um, or, or, or not aged at all. Um, just to keep them nicely balanced. Yeah. Now, we talked about this being the only red, but I believe a little bit of other red grows on the island. What other grapes are growing? Yeah, that's that's right. So uh, probably the biggest non-native uh, red variety on the island would be Syrah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then you will find uh, Tempranillo here in oh, a, makes a very sense. small quantities again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hasn't yeah. travelled too far. No. Um, and then bits and pieces of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, but to a much lesser degree. Any other whites? Um, no, not that you will see. Um, there, okay. there will be the odd one here and there, but um, yeah, not not available to purchase as a as, as a wine. Okay, that's really interesting. They've brought over international red varieties but not whites. I suppose because you have more indigenous whites. Yeah, and also I think, you know, historically the white wines have just been so highly thought after that there hasn't really been a need to dilute um, what we've got growing here already. Mm. The red, as I just touched on before, um, you know, it hasn't been everybody's flavour over the years. Um, It hasn't had as much attention paid to it as the white varieties, um, although that's, you know, caught up now. 
And uh, because of those characteristics that you just touched on before, you know, the lighter bodied versus maybe some of the wines that have been drunk in, in, in Northern Europe, um, which of course, many of the tourists that arrive on the island, they're the wines that they're more familiar or those sort of fuller bodied mm-hmm. styles. Mm-hmm. It's been putting the two together. So, you know, you'll find blends of the Listan Negro with Syrah, which of course is a more full bodied and heavier grape, you know, more tannin and those sorts of characteristics. Um, and, I, and I guess sort of ad- adapting the wines to a degree, but, um, you know, still retaining the Lanzarote um, authenticity. Well, at the end of the day, you said it wasn't people's cup of tea originally, but this wine, people are looking for higher acidity, fresher wines. This is 13.5% in alcohol, you know, so it's not a heavy, chunky wine. And I think people are starting to prefer that there's always a time and a place for fresher wines and this also could be chilled down just a little bit absolutely hot weather Mm. yeah and that and typically on the island it it, it is um served chilled you know 14 to 16 degrees um is is the ideal temperature for these for these wines and uh for sure i mean as i say i mean we're lucky that we we have the tours business because we we see what people enjoy and we know for a fact that people love the reds from the island because we see how many people take home with them from the tours so they're they're brilliant wines which is why we've um you know been sending them back to the uk as well we talk so highly Mm. about them um but it's i think it's just on the island as a as a whole you know these sort of perceptions take a while to um to 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 get diluted through um you know from generation to generation absolutely now if somebody wanted to try the red wine the lista negro how much is that going to cost on the wine shop lanzarotti.com it's 19 pound 99 okay perfect so in keeping with the white fab and people need to check out these bottles because their wine bottle is so unusual i've not seen a bottle like it it is we've got lots of different bottles on the island actually uh, these guys were the first to um to introduce them and um mm-hmm. i mean as we touched on before you know there's not a lot of lanzarote wine produced and only about 10 percent gets exported so uh, we do need to make sure it stands out on the shelves yeah okay um, that makes and, sense and i guess it's you know it's great marketing at the end of the day um you know it certainly did for me because this bottle the first time i tried it, it just stuck in my mind and back then you you know you, you couldn't find it in the in the supermarkets um and you, and you still can't now actually the flagship wines from the island um, that's crazy but many years later I, I i i did find it um purely because i remember what the bottle looked like uh, we've yeah. got wines here from vega de yuko which uh, are sold in a in a delightful uh, elongated triangular blue bottle that everybody knows and mm-hmm. remembers you know bodega volcano that we work with they've got sort of contours of the volcano shaped into the bottle and el griffo have a little volcano um, at the bottom of their bottle so it all sort of um you know captures the imagination and um you know it, it, it stands out on the shelves yeah and for anyone who wants to know about bodega bermejo which is what we're drinking these ones they've got a really big fat lip on the top and then almost the lip extends in one part which acts as like a bit of a pourer which is rather useful it does indeed it is i and actually my olive oil is all stored in bermejo bottles in the kitchen Oh, there you go. And then they're doing themselves some good marketing. And funny enough as well, which people will see if they go to the website or if they go to my Instagram account, eat, sleep, underscore, wine, repeat, you're going to see the photo of this wine so you can see it. Um, It doesn't have a label on the bottle as such. Their label is simply just at the top just on the neck of the bottle. So in a way, it's actually very classy. It's very minimalistic, very simple. I like it a lot. It is. 
Yeah, no, it's certainly very classy, isn't it? It's, um, it does catch the eye. In fact, and then the only thing I got quite confused at, be- at the beginning, the only thing actually on the bottle is a sticker of Lanzarotti, but that's the Lanzarotti DO it is. symbol, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So um, you, you know when you're drinking a, a, a DO wine, when you see that, uh, that label. and It's, it's lovely. Like, uh, it is. It's a Cesar Manrique um, design. Um, he was a, a famous okay. artist that, that, that once lived on the island and he really... I guess um, you know shaped a lot of the laws on the island, and the island is today why uh-huh. it's um, why it is thanks to thanks to him. Well, for me, am I right in thinking this? It's a little yellow circle, which is the sun, then a black blob, which is the soil, and then loads of red stuff coming out, which is the volcano lava. Absolutely, like abstract, hey. abstract piece of art. Love it. Well, not so abstract because <laughs> well I figured it out. Yay! <laughs> One point to me. I love it. So. So we talk about the DO. This is a tiny island still, and not many people have had the pleasure to taste wines of Lanzarote. How many wineries are involved in the DO? Yeah, so, I mean, on the island, we've got 21 wineries now that are part of the DO. Okay. Um, in, when we s- started the tours in 2017, uh, there were just 14. So in the last four years, it's sort of the, the, the number's grown by by 50 percent so there oh, that's is a, amazing yeah it's really cool i mean there's a really nice sort of tailwind behind the in uh, behind the industry uh, mm-hmm. there's sort of more and more young guys uh, getting involved again and interesting setups doing different things with the wines um as well mm, well you said young guys but the winemaker for this winery that we're tasting Bermejo is actually 26 years old, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a local lad. Um, again, it sort of ties in with the Dio story, I guess, because you know there's 2,000 registered viticulturalists on the island that are registered with the Dio. I mean, we've got a population mm-hmm. of 150,000 here to give you an idea. So it really is in the in the lifeblood of the island, uh, mm-hmm. winemaking and the and the tradition. And, uh, you know, many of these guys, um, it's been passed down from generation to generation. And, uh, you know, they're not in it for, for the money. Um, they're, they're in it for the, the love and the passion of, of making wine. And then, you know, in, in uh, Danny's case, the winemaker at Bermejo, um, you know, he's, he's then gone on to study. Um, he's worked on the, on the Spanish peninsula before returning back to the island and, you know, picking up the winemaking job for good reason at um, Bodega Bermejo. And uh, he wouldn't be the only um, local um, young guy working at the wineries. El Griffo's got a, a young winemaker, as have Vega de Yuco, probably the third largest producer too. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's really nice to see. So we should watch this space is basically what you're telling us because Lanzarote is growing in the wine world. I would like to think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll have more business too. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, certainly more interest, um, you know, I mean, we've got so many unique and different things to talk about. And, you know, mm. luckily that goes hand in hand with having, you know, great wines too. I mean, our production is never going to skyrocket here just because we've got very limited land where it's, it's physically possible to produce uh, vines, to grow vines. So um, yeah. it, it's, it's never going to be a, a big market in terms of volumes being sold and exported. But um, certainly maybe the, the things that are happening here are going to be super interesting, is my, is my guess. Now, you touched on this at the beginning, the wine region 
within Lanzarote, Lejeria. And for people to know how to search it, it's spelt with a G. G-E-R-I-A. Lejeria. This is the main wine growing region right yes it is yeah by far are there others how many others are there we just have a another small region in the north of the island mm-hmm. but it's way smaller than Lajeria. okay and this is Yelajores, no that's right yeah okay so Yelajores exists up in the north and that's obviously where it's even windier and a little bit colder yeah, it's, it's typically colder. The The ripening cycles are a, a, a little longer than mm-hmm. uh, La Heria. But the majority of the wineries, or shall I say the vineyards, are going yeah. to be found in La Heria. They so are. So why? why? Why is La Heria the main stop? It, it just goes back to the uh, to the landscape of, um, of of having the ash, and this is the part of the island where all of the, the volcanic ash accumulated through the mm-hmm. eruptions. Okay. So without that, you know, you don't have the water retention in the soil. So, you know, growing vines is impossible. Um, they do have um, ash in the north of the island from, you know, previous um, and different eruptions, uh, but on a, on a very, very small scale. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm glad to hear they still got a little bit. I don't want them feeling left out. So that's no. good. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like 30% of the island is basically covered in volcanic ash, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be, it would have been about that. Yeah, through volcanic ash and lava flows, and yeah, yeah. and and even in the lava flows, you'll find um, vines growing too. I love it. Now, I just I asked you this question on Friday because I find it fascinating, and I just want to make it super clear to people who have no idea about the vines. First of all, we've already said they're bush vines. They're unirrigated. So bush vines means they're not grown on any trellising. They're not like anything that you would normally see in typical vineyards. The majority of the vines are just planted, aren't they, directly into the ground. But you did say, you showed a picture when I (laughs) spoke to you last from the El Grifo winery. And they were growing the vines in a way that they call them chibuco, right? And I found that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Now, without a photo, do you do you feel brave enough to somehow try and describe what chibuco is? Because I just think it's amazing and really different that vines are growing in this way. And people should be aware that Lanzarote are doing these kind of strange, cool, amazing things. So, yeah, good luck. Over okay, to you. I'll, try, I'll try my hardest. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, among the, uh, the, the vineyards where, where you have all of the volcanic ash, there's also lava mm. flows, um, which is just sort of solid rock, effectively, where yeah. the lava was once flowing. But within there, you do get these gullies and cracks and holes, mm-hmm. which lead down to soil um, below the lava flow. And as we were chatting about before, there's no uh, or very little rainfall on, on, on the island. But what happens when it rains onto the hard lava rock is that it will typically collect in the bottom of these holes. So over the years, the farmers have realized this um, and planted whatever will grow um, at the bottom of um, those uh, those holes, which are called chibocos. And mm-hmm. the vine will grow and be trained to grow out of the, the sort of fissure in the in, in the lava. And, and some of these can be anything from one or two meters deep up to, you know, four or five meters high. Yeah, it's amazing. And then they kind of build this little kind of a square around it don't they with wood probably to support to support exactly yeah and just to train it um to train it upwards and and typically they grow the moscatel 
in the um, Chibokos because they enjoy a little bit more water than the Malvasia. So it's basically the mm. farmer using the landscape to, um, to their advantage, you know. Yeah, because Malvasia just actually, it's really drought resistant, isn't it? It loves a bit of heat. Yeah. Like all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all these vines here have had to adapt to those conditions, yeah. you know, the, the the lack of water, the heat, and the um, and, and the wind. Wow, um, Ollie, thank you so much. I think hopefully people have got an idea. Lanzarote is. I think you touched on it. Did you say something magic? You called it magical, didn't you? Yes. From seeing the photos, I've been to Lanzarote, but sadly, so many years ago when I wasn't involved in wine, and so I missed out that part. I went to the National right. Park, I saw the geysers, I picked up the soil, but I did not get to the vineyards, which is very disappointing. So you are now wow. very high up on my list. Perfect. Well, it's never too late. And, it uh, isn't. We'll, we'll, we'll be here. Oh and, oh, and so will I. Trust me, so will <laughs> Good I. Good to hear. Um, but thank you so much. And um, of course, everybody, drink some wines from Lanzarote, because I imagine... Not many of you have, or if you did, it was a quick bottle when you were there on the island. So try some at home now and uh, feel the magic again, right? Absolutely. And uh, if anybody's interested, there's plenty of information on the website just about the cultivation here, the different grape varieties as well. So there's, there's plenty of educational pieces on there too. Oh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's not just about the drinking, everyone, right? Learn about the island first, then reward yourself <laughs> with a delicious bottle. There are your rules. Thank you so much, Ollie. It's been brilliant. Ah, Janina, thanks a lot for having me. It's been great to chat. And we will see each other in real life in Lanzarote very soon. Sounds good. Okay, Can't fabulous. Wait. Bye. Bye, take care. So for many of you, probably the only time you've drunk a wine from Lanzarote is when you visited that island. So hopefully now, for those of you in the UK, you know exactly where to get it. The website will be in my show notes. For those of you in America or in Canada, in fact, big shout out to my listeners in Singapore. You are my third biggest downloads last month. Who are you? Contact me and say hello. Give me a wave. So a big cheers to you. So for those of you around the world, hopefully an importer is bringing in small, delicious amounts of these wines of Lanzarote. Now to finish off with, as always, our wine quote, which is quite a rather solid piece of advice. And it is, not all heroes wear capes. Some deliver wines. And Ollie, we salute you. Thank you for bringing us these distinctive, mineral-rich and vibrant wines. Right, that is it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. For those of you that have not been in touch with me, send me an email at yanina at eatsleepwinerepeat.co.uk or DM me on Instagram at eatsleep underscore wine repeat. Let me know which one of these episodes are your favourite and what you want to know more about. As always, if you haven't liked, shared, subscribed, please do all of that as it helps make the podcast more discoverable. Until the next episode, I raise my glass and cheers.